Hey everybody, and welcome to another session of the Palace Theater and Waterbury's Concert Conversations, brought to you by Ion Bank. I am Tom Forst. Uh, a lot of people call me the suit. I have a podcast of my own called Chasing the Blues, and uh, I've been working with the Palace for some time now. We've got some great musicians. We focus on local musicians, regional musicians, and some who live here who are national, which is one of the guests that I'll be talking with today, uh, a friend of mine. I hope he considers himself a friend of mine, uh, Elliot Lewis. Hey, Elliot, how are you? Hey, Tom, my friend Tom. Yes, we are friends. <laughs> well, we're not enemies, at least. Let's at least at least say that. That's, uh, that'll, work, that'll work for us for now. It's so, great to uh, great to be talking to you today. Well, Thanks it is great me. to have you. I, I, Elliot and I have been uh, on the same stage um, uh, two times that I that I remember, and I always find you to be so friendly and gracious, um, and I always appreciate that because I think people who sometimes do what you do and play with the groups, which we're going to talk about in a minute that you do sometimes you know there's a little bit of an ego there like you know hey man uh, you're just a regional guy you know but uh i want to talk to you a little bit about your music elliot and uh, also let's just start off with uh, hall and oats for a second uh can you yeah. kind of give us an idea about your background with them yeah my background <clears throat> with hall and oats is is i've been with playing with them now for I guess about 16 or 17 years, somewhere in that range. <laughs> I kind of lose track. Uh, when you get over the 10-year mark, you kinda, it kind of becomes a blur. Mm -hmm. um, but somewhere in that range, and really even going back before that, I was with a band called the Average White Band. We right. can talk about them. But really, because of the relationship I had with Average White Band, led kind of led me into Hall & Oates. Uh, the original bass player in Average White Band and Daryl Hall had been friends since the 70s, you know, because they were both bands were on Atlantic Records at one point, um, you know, and, and their their sort of signature records were uh, produced by Reith Martin. So I met uh, Daryl back, I think, in the late 80s or early 90s. Um, it, you know, and, and eventually I had spent about 15 years in Average White Band, and I was ready to move on. And Daryl had made reference, he had seen me a couple of times in Average White Band, and, you know, made me aware that he wanted me in Hall & Oates. So <clears throat> it took a couple of years to line up, but uh, but eventually it did. And, um, yeah, 16 or 17 years later, and of course, after about three or four years in, in Hall & Oates, Daryl started his show, Life of Daryl's House, and that turned into a whole completely other thing. God, I love so that it's show. Been, it's really been an incredible journey. It, it's uh, afforded me more experiences than I really ever could have imagined, you know, uh, to be able to play, you know, all the venues that I dreamed about when I was a kid, you know, from you know Wembley to Madison Square Garden three times now and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and just and, and then the show working with hundreds of musicians that you know were heroes of mine so it's been an incredible experience yeah you know um I <laughs> I have seen um Hall & Oates live 
And uh, I've actually seen some of the tape shows. And I said to myself, you know, I don't know if people realize it, but although I, I would consider them a commercial band, when you hear that group live, there's a lot of soul in that band. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, their thing comes directly from the Philly soul uh, era. You know, I mean, they were immersed in that. That was really their thing. Uh, it was much more that that than than the rock stuff. I think they had elements of rock, uh, you know, and even less of the blues. But it was really the soul thing. It was really the OJ's and the Spinners and uh, the Temptations. You know, that was really what how their music evolved and where it evolved from. You know. Yeah, I got to tell you, uh, uh, this was this goes back ten years ago. Uh, I was in the corporate world and hired Hall and Oates to do an event for top clients, um, about 150 people. It was a small group outside. Mm-hmm. And, and instead of talking to clients, I spent the whole time just staring at the band. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, I just thought the band was so great. And I thought, boy, I don't know if people realize the depth of, uh, of musicality in the, in the group. You know, I, I uh, recently spoke with uh, John Oates. I, I interviewed him on my podcast, Chasing the Blues, and uh, he has a oh, new awesome. blues album out, which you may be aware of. Right. And uh, it's quite an interesting album, and he was so great to have on the show, really uh, friendly and down to earth, and uh, gave, gave me some real insights. You know, I, I have to thank you, by the way, because uh, anybody who's, who, who has seen Elliot realize that sometimes, sometimes he'll go out as you'll go out as a, a, a duo or, or a trio. And, and yet you use a lot of, uh, I, I would say, backing tracks. And it gave me the impetus to go home and take all of my professionally recorded tunes and have them take out uh, the vocal and the guitar because I yeah. actually hate playing solo gigs. <laughs> right. <laughs> I have always hated it. Uh, first yeah. of all, I, I don't like not playing with musicians, but I just don't like the sound. I need that electric sound behind me. Right. <laughs> and you and you were the one who gave me uh, <laughs> the impetus to do that. So I I want to uh. thank you. <laughs> well, it's good to know, you know, we can still inspire each other in some in some ways, you know. <laughs> you know, for me, Tom, it was, uh, it sort of came, I mean, there's a couple of factors for me that I think uh, drove me to do my own solo shows that way and, in, and do it in different ways, but also become a multi-instrumentalist, you know. I mean, partly because of my influences growing up listening to Todd Rundgren and Stevie Wonder and, and knowing or, or realizing those guys played most of the instruments themselves on their records, you know, on their early records. Yeah. And so that, that drove me to uh, being a multi-instrumentalist and then eventually sort of being comfortable to do my own show. And, you know, and the, the solo thing with, with backing tracks kind of came out of necessities because traveling and touring with a band uh, I started doing a lot of shows alongside their tours on nights off, you know, which is sort of a crazy idea, logistically crazy. Uh, but I did it because I, I found myself spending, you know, five, six months out on the road and I wanted to utilize that time 
kind of for my own career. Mm -hmm. So there were many instances where I just literally couldn't bring other musicians. You know, you have to set up quick and you have to kind of be able to uh, to do this very quickly and, you know, without a big production. Um, So, you know, I had to. And like you, I'm not really um, I've never gone out and done an acoustic thing. I I even solo. I like to feel um <laughs> don't be barking dog next to me sorry um um you know i still like the, the vibe of an, a full electric production so uh that was really one of the reasons i kind of put together the backing track approach you know and and i mix it up and i i will you know some nights i'll play bass and i'll take out the bass in the tracks and play bass sometimes i'll play keys uh, but for the most part, I'm a guitar player in my own, you know, my yeah, own and you're, and you're a great guitar player. Uh, I'm, I'm always impressed when I see you and, and, you know, if anybody's getting the idea, cause I, I know other musicians who have done this, this is not a schlock, uh, production. This is, I mean, you, you close your eyes and you hear the full band and you're doing the work. I mean, you're doing the vocal and you're playing yeah. an instrument. And, uh, the couple of times I've seen you, you've had a drummer and the drummers were always, super pro you know they weren't like uh you know anything for a buck drummers that's for sure yeah and in in those situations i typically will have uh when i have a drummer i'll typically have the bass which is me playing bass you know the recordings of me running alongside so you don't you know it it appears and i'll have my background singer with me so it appears to be a three-piece band and if you didn't if you weren't a musician looking for the elements you wouldn't really know otherwise you know it sounds like a three or four piece band a little bit of bass running in there and a little bit of keys running in there and um and you know and i mean i've i've been able to do the the duo approach with that and open up for bands like you know boston and doobie brothers and you know some big shows and i think people are kind of like whoa it's a lot of music coming from two people so it becomes a little bit more unique too in its presentation you know to me there's so many different ways you can present music and if it sounds good then it doesn't really matter uh, what's going on. I mean, nothing replaces playing with great players, uh, but touring like I do on the level of Hall & Oates, we have, there's so many bands that we tour with that are using backing tracks. So it's, it's a very common thing these days. Yeah, I think it's great. And I think the best thing is that's fewer people to show up late. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I have a drummer who I love dearly, but Every time we always uh, we always bet. Well, what will the excuse be today? You know, a, a plane landed <laughs> on the highway, uh, or you know, he's on the highway on ninety five. It's five o'clock in the afternoon, and he comes and he's surprised that there's right. traffic. <laughs> so, so let's. Uh, I want to talk about your last album, uh, Sonic Soldier. Um, mm. Let's chat about that because it's a quite an interesting idea. Why don't you go through that? Yeah, so you know, I've always had a fascination with instrumental music. Uh, you know, to me, um, there's so many ways to convey melody, and it doesn't always have to be, uh, for me, in my mind, a vocal melody. It can be an instrumental. And I grew up listening to a lot of players, probably like you, like Jeff Beck, one of my mm-hmm. favorite all-time guitar players. Yeah. And so that, you know, it definitely inspired me to um, explore that side of music. So every release that I put out, 
almost there's always been a one or two instrumentals going back 12 or 15 years of my own career so you know i had enough encouragement from fans and friends to just you know do a full-blown uh instrumental cd and i had uh taken some songs that i had put on other releases on other eps and stuff and then wrote a bunch of new stuff and compiled a, an instrumental cd and it's really fun it's just a different way like i said to convey melody um i kind of love all all the you know different genres um so it was you know it was fun it, it definitely uh, a, a little bit more freedom when you don't have to think about vocals in a way you know just a, a different vibe yeah i i love the idea and uh people need to check that out it's called sonic soldier uh, yeah. Very interesting uh, album cover, by the way. Um, I also heard, uh, I listened to several of the songs on your uh, website, and um, I loved Smile. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I mean, I've got to tell you, that should be out uh, uh, all every day, every week, because it was so uplifting. Thank you. You know, and that's, that's an example of... Um... You know, and I'm sure you've probably run this into this yourself, being a songwriter, uh, is that sometimes a song will start coming out of us and you realize, oh, this is like, that. for instance, that song has got a very country vibe to it. Yes, it, it does. And I didn't set out to write a country song at all. It just happened to come out that way. And it was really heading that way. So I kind of let it do its thing. And I was like, okay, let's embrace what this wants to be and uh and just go with it and i think that's fun i like to explore you know different styles and different genres and not just be one thing even though i love bands that are just in one style you know i love acdc <laughs> you know yeah. you know yeah. what you're going to get on every record um but i also love really eclectic uh artists too i love bowie i grew up listening to a lot of bowie and mm -hmm. you never really knew in, in todd rundgren you never really knew what you were going to get so I think that comes out a little bit more in my music. It kind of goes from rock, a little bit of blues to the country thing and, you know, everything in between. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that's great. You know, I, I've had, uh, I, I work with uh, Factory Underground and their complaint always is, it's hard to, to say what genre your, uh, your album is. And I say, well, I don't write like that. If I wrote just a blues album, which I, which I have done recently, but if I just write a blues album, I feel inhibited with, like you said, the yeah. song. It, you worship at the at the uh, altar of the song. So whatever the song takes you, if it's country or I don't care if it's a polka, if it takes you there, to fight it is hurting the song. I think. Absolutely. You know, and, and I, I think we both come from eras where, we, you know, the music business wasn't so concerned with uh, putting a label on you and putting you in a box in right. a specific genre. There was a lot more freedom in, in those days. And I think artists do their best when they're free to just do whatever comes out of them. You know, the Beatles certainly didn't have any restrictions on them. And, you know, I think a lot of artists in the music business got so caught up and it. it has to be this or it has to be this style. And it was it's like follow the leader. And I think, um, you know, I think there are a lot of new bands and new artists that are coming out that are just doing their own thing and, and, and you know, leading 
themselves wherever it wants to go instead of putting uh, putting themselves in boxes, you know. You're, ab- you're absolutely right. I, I, I see that too. And I think it's also the, the, um, the singles state of mind that a lot of bands are in. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, you know, I mean, as you know, it's kind of hard to get people's attention in this era. Uh, yeah. So you get that one song, and they may like that, and never re- return. Um, I also wanted to mention another song that I was really fond of, uh, a little different than Smile, actually. Uh, when this is all over. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah. Well, that that came out of uh, you know a lot of emotions that were going on. I mean, I, we all had them when the COVID thing got really serious. Yeah. And. Um, <clears throat> You know, I went. I, I probably did what everybody did. Went through this, uh, you know, roller coaster of emotions. Like, oh, when it got scary. Our last show, uh, our last official show was at Madison Square Garden in uh, uh, late February, February twenty eighth, and oh. then we shut we shut down. And it was scary just knowing that we were in a, a sixteen thousand seat venue that was sold out, and I was out in the crowd, and we were hanging out with tons of people, and you know, we absolutely know the virus was in the city and probably in that venue that particular night. Uh, but anyway, a couple of weeks after that, you know, everything got very scary, and it was like, okay, and my girlfriend, um, she she got right back into uh, healthcare. And we were separated. She was in Massachusetts and I'm in Connecticut. And we weren't able to see each other uh, for probably like two months or something like that. So that song, I basically wrote out of that situation, kind of the uncertainty of the virus and uh, being separated uh, from somebody you love. You know, so that's that that was sort of the impetus of the song. Yeah, I, I strongly suggest that uh, everybody listen to those, at least those two songs, but uh, obviously more. The vocal uh, vocals are great. The songs are well-written and I think uh, thought-provoking uh, on both sides of the spectrum. So it was uh, positive and, um, I don't know, I don't want to say negative. It wasn't negative, but it's uh, it was it was a lot heavier, so... Yeah, it's just you know, like I said, it's it's uh, you just want to let the song do its thing. Whether it's a, and most of my songs are very positive and uplifting. But you know, you just gotta go with the emotion that you're feeling and let it out. You know, and let it be what it wants to be. I say. <laughs> I totally, man. I I I couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, we, I think we write our best songs that are that come from real emotions, real experiences that we're going through, you know, instead of sitting down and going, I want to write this kind of a song and let me think of a, a story. You know, I think we do our best work when we're feeling what we're writing about. Yeah, you know, it's a funny thing. And I, I talk about this a lot in my show uh, about the muse, you know, um, I really believe that there is a muse out there, and I'm I'm not that kind of guy, but I I just think I have proof that I'll be sitting here, and you know sometimes it'll take me two years to write something worth it, yeah, and then right. another time, you know, an entire song is in my head, and I swear it didn't come from me, right. So where do you think it came from? Well. 
it was literally just a feeling. It was what I was feeling at that moment, sort of being alone and feeling isolated during this, you know, scary time, you know, it was like, how long is this thing going to last? And, you know, is it, is it over for us as musicians? You know, yeah. I think there was a point where we all said, is that, is this it? Are we, are we done? You know? <laughs> and, uh, and so I think the song just reflected that, you know, um, and, and I think this is a magical thing for uh, musicians that are able to sort of, you know, they can feel an idea or a concept come on and then actually put it into a form. You know, I think that's really the magic of the whole music business is being able to take an idea and then turn it into something that they can present to the world. Yes. And uh, if we can do that, whether it's good or bad, it's that's that's our our job. And and if we can, you know, do something that people are interested in and they can understand and feel what we were thinking when we were writing that, then you know our job is accomplished. I guess. Oh, you are you are so right. I I often mention this muse idea, and I say in my mind that you we all have that mu we all can get that music for listening, but. I always feel like the muse gets annoyed if you're not putting in the work. I, I don't know if you feel that, but yeah, I do. I do. I think it takes, you know, it takes focus. It takes concentration and d discipline and, you know, uh, yeah, you have to put the time in for sure. Yeah. If you want to create something. We're going to talk a little bit more about your career and your touring and what you're doing next. Uh, we're going to take a very short break uh, from our wonderful sponsor, Ion Bank. And uh, just remind you, this is uh, brought to you by the Palisade and Waterbury. Business owners know you have to take control of your cash flow to grow your business. Ion Bank has a full range of cash management tools to help you save time, work more efficiently, and prevent fraud. It's never been quicker or easier to take control of your cash flow so your business can take off. Learn more about IonBank's cash management tools at ionbank.com, member FDIC. Welcome back to Concert Conversations brought to you by the Palisader and Waterbury and our great sponsor, IonBank. Today we're having a great conversation with uh, a wonderful musician, songwriter, multi instrumentalist um elliot lewis so elliot we were just going to talk about uh what's happening with you uh in the future so can you kind of give us an idea where you're going and what you're doing what you're going to record etc yeah so you know like a lot of us we had a little bit extra time at home during this uh this craziness of the the virus <laughs> to to do a lot of writing and uh, a lot of videos and all that kind of stuff a lot of creating yeah. so you know I, i'll be putting out a record i'm still working on a couple of songs <clears throat> um and and fortunately you know for a lot of us we're especially on a smaller level, we're probably going to be able to work a lot more uh, quickly uh, doing shows, smaller, you know, socially distanced outdoor shows. So I have a lot of those coming up. We'll be able to do those a lot more quickly than, you know, Hall & Oates that I work with, you mm -hmm. know, where they're trying to put 15,000 people shoulder to shoulder in a venue. 
Right. They have uh, their obviously bands uh, like that have had to reschedule their tours a, a couple of times, and I think they're they're hopefully going to start again in August, but I'm not sure that's even going to happen. I think they have to just play it by ear and see where things are at with each state, you know, what uh, the guidelines are in each state uh, to put that kind of, uh, that, that amount of people in. So, you know, I'll be working and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm booking stuff. I probably have about 15 or 20 shows uh, on my calendar right now. So it'll be a, a pretty busy year. And I was really fortunate through the whole, um, through the whole la- of last year to be able to do a lot of stuff online. I had a lot of, you know, uh, it, companies and corporations that kind of hired me or it, it, you know, kept me busy doing virtual stuff. And, uh, and I know that was probably not natural for a lot of players to kind of sit home and, and get in front of a camera on their own. And, you know, I think, uh, but what happened for me was that I spent so many years doing the live from Daryl's house show where we were in a room with no audience and just really playing for cameras. We were playing for each other, but you know, I, I became very uh, comfortable with just playing in front of a camera. So I did a lot of that last year and uh, that just kept me busy and kept me working and kind of kept me in touch with fans and stuff. So, uh, you know, and I think that there's going to be a continuation of that. I think a lot of us uh, have embraced the that presentation um, of doing live streams and more video stuff. So, you know, there's a there's a lot of all of that in my future. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, I, I don't think a lot of people feel this way, but I've gotten so comfortable. I do about a video a week. I got so comfortable. I'm almost sitting here thinking, really, do I want to lug that amp and that guitar out, you know, and have, the, know. you know, have the venue owner say something that's going to tick me off like the first 20 seconds. You know? I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I know. I, I, I'm sure we all went through a bit of that, you know, um, but really, at the end of the day, there's really no replacing, you know, being in front of people and getting that energy and all the stuff that happens in that moment. You know, uh, you know, I think we can take like I just did this and had this incredible experience. Like the last thing I was thinking was going to happen after doing all this virtual stuff last year is I got a call from Todd Rundgren who invited me to do like the world's most extensive virtual tour. And, uh, that was sort of the cherry on top of, for my, my year. Um, and we did, we, you know, we did like a a month preparation because the music was very intensive. And then we, we went to Chicago and did 25 virtual shows after about 10 days of rehearsing. Um, so the whole thing was about two months and just another another experience of, of doing shows and playing music in sort of a virtual world, you know, although his thing was completely full production, full on video and full 10 piece band. So it was a pretty incredible experience. What a great so uh, artist he is as well. Gosh, he really is. You know, I, I, I thought if anybody's going to do it on that level, it's probably going to be him. And he was embracing doing a virtual tour he, well, way be- before COVID, just because, you know, traveling has gotten so difficult. Um, 
you know, with, with climate change and just flights getting canceled and flights getting delayed, he was yeah. like, oh, my God, I'm finding myself like, you know, not even knowing if I can get to my gig on time. So he was thinking about doing a virtual presentation years ago. So I think when the COVID thing happened, he was like, okay, this is the time to do it for sure. You know, it's uh, funny you would mention Todd Rundgren because we were talking about uh, doing music with uh, backing backing tracks. And yeah. this goes back, I bet, 20 years ago. I was in a, what was it called those days? House of the Blues. And Todd yeah. was there as a solo performer. He had a screen behind him and a computer in front of him. Mm-hmm. And he had that full band sound, and I th- and I had never seen that before. Wow! Yeah, it was, and this goes back a long, long time ago. Yeah, and it it was quite interesting. Uh, it was a little hard for me to wrap my head around because yeah. I, I just wasn't used to that. But um, it sounded, you know, it sounded great. So, um, are you doing any tours uh, locally? Will you be doing anything in the Northeast? Yeah, I do. I have some things. Uh, I don't play Connecticut real often, but I am working on some things for for here. I have some things in Massachusetts, New Hampshire, New York, New Jersey. Uh, so yeah, I have a bunch of things in this general region. Uh, of course, I always go out to Ohio and then try to get over to Michigan a little bit and uh, maybe Indiana. Uh, and then I'm working on a run down to Florida and, and some shows that'll route me down there. So, so Virginia, the Carolinas and stuff, and, and pretty much almost everything is, is outdoors, you know? Um, so yeah, it, it'll be a, it'll different year, but it'll be, it should probably be a really busy year. And then hopefully, like I said, Paul and Oates will be back up and running you know, by, by late summer, early fall, hopefully. Right. And, uh, it'll probably take that long. Yeah. 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 I've talked to a bunch of musicians. I, I was on the phone with, um, Mark Farner a couple of weeks ago. Wow. Interviewing him. Yeah. And he was saying, you know, basically the same thing. He didn't know. Cause like you say, how can you get a room full of people and you're already looking at, you know, splitting the, splitting the size in half. Yeah, uh, it's it's very difficult and, and quite concerning. So uh, as far as your shows are concerned, I want to make pe- sure people know how to get a hold of you. Um, what's your website? Yeah, it's uh, just ElliotLewis.com. Yeah. And, and the, by the way, everybody, uh, it's E-L-I-O-T. Yes. One L and one T. And, and the first show I have, which everybody can actually watch is, uh, is at Daryl's club, um, this week, uh, in a couple of days, this Thursday night, I'll be playing, uh, uh, Daryl's club. And that's, you know, like a lot of these shows, it's a limited audience. They can only put, I think, 25%, uh, of the normal capacity in there, but it'll also be presented as a live stream and their live streams are really exceptional. They're really, really well done. Yes. I, I have played, uh, Daryl's club about, I, I guess a half a dozen times and mm-hmm. I, I will list that as one of my top places you know it's owned by a musician who understands musicians they actually they actually treat you well you got your own green room Uh, the food is great the stage the sound met the sound folks are amazing 
Yeah, Pete, <laughs> and that's that's Pete Moshe. He's and he's mixed. I mean, we go we go back to the '90s, you know, uh, and he's mixed every episode of Live from Daryl's House and and every show there. So he's a good, great friend, and incredibly talented engineer, and uh, and really know, rare, a nice guy. I mean, it's you yeah, know, exactly. Sound, sound yeah. men are not usually my friend. Uh, there's always some issue, but. Boy, you get there and there's no stress and people are not yelling at you and, you know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it should be that way. <laughs> well, Elliot, I, I want to thank you. This has really been a, a fun time, uh, honestly. You're a great musician. Uh, people should also know uh, one of the greatest uh, people to work with an audience, boy. You can tell that you've been with some real serious pros uh, this isn't, you know, like your normal, you know, weekend uh, wannabe kind of show. It's really great, really professional, and I hope people uh, will check you out. Thank you so much, Elliot. Thank you, Tom. I really appreciate you having me, and I look forward to seeing you. And likewise, you're a awesome person, an amazing artist. You write some great songs, and uh, and hopefully we can do something together again. Oh, I would I would love that, Elliot. Now, now unfortunately for you, I got your cell number. <laughs> <laughs> well, be sure to use it. <laughs> <laughs> I know you'll probably go out and change it now. That's that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Not I, at all. <laughs> I understand. Thank you so much, Ellie Lewis. All right, Tom. Great talking to you, man. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, everybody. You've been listening to a great program today. I, I'm really excited about it. Great to talk with Elliot. Palace Theater's concert conversations brought to you by Ion Bank. Make sure you wear your masks. Have a great day. Thanks.